the 2015 Spooky Flicks Fest, and this episode are dedicated to the memory of legendary filmmaker Wes Craven. Hey, this is Ken Forey, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Tune in to ForgottenFlicks.com. Get your horror news, baby. It's for you. Ken Forey and out. In this episode of the 2015 Spooky Flicks Fest, Joel Peter Darrell and special guest Hammond remember Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Ah, Halloween. It's finally arrived. And what better way to celebrate this most sinister of holidays than to revisit a movie with Halloween in the title? That's right. We're traveling to the land of Michael Ma... Hold on a minute. Oh, oh, my bad. I almost forgot. This is the one without the ship. Not to worry, though. In this twisted tale of all-hallowed madness, a doctor becomes embroiled in a conspiracy involving a mask-making corporation and millions of unsuspecting children. Everyone's in for a real trick. In Halloween 3, Season of the witch. So, sit back and prepare yourself for in-depth analysis, profound insights, ridiculous tangents, and spoilers galore. And if you've never seen Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, then beware, because here there be spoilers. You've been warned. <laughs> You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon. And remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it. And don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. I am not going to record. We need bonus stories. Yeah. 
My youngest daughter is in a pool crying, uh-huh. hanging on to a basketball, oh, unable no. to get to the middle of the get to the wall. She goes under. I take off my Apple Watch before I jump in. <laughs> you monster, and I understand completely. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> I probably, if I was there, I would have said, hold on, take that watch off before you go. <laughs> hold on, let me check the time first. <laughs> Don't you dare jump in there right away. <laughs> I want those things cost. <laughs> okay, we are here. You've just heard the story that proves who the real monster among us is, and it proves the point that when we all come down on how we feel about this movie, just mm. keep it in mind, the one who was almost willing to let their child perish. <laughs> just to, to save the one the one Apple product that nobody gives a crap about. But it's expensive. Until you have one and it integrates into your life, don't talk. You know what? You just like to friggin' be like you're on Star Trek or some shit. And no, just... no, it no, it seriously went from being novelty to being part of my life in about three days. I don't days. see how it could be. How, how do you not like, like fat finger everything? That would drive me nuts. I gotta tell you, it's easier than you think. I gotta <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How do you not fat finger anything? <laughs> you know what I'm I talking said about? My head, Peter. It's what he said it's right there. It's right there. Okay. Well, welcome to finger me. <laughs> welcome to the final episode of the Spooky Flicks Fest, and I think you can see where this is going. We're off to a banner start. Banner start. We are covering Halloween three, season of the Weach. Yeah. Season of the Witch. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Members only. Jack. Now, I am. I am your measly, lowly host, Joel, and I'm joined by a couple other lowly guys, Daryl. Hello. And Peter. Not holding the fat finger. <laughs> and we are joined. Me, we are joined by a guy who could only stand to do a ten episode show with me, Hammond. <laughs> that was your fault. Was, you picked what? the show. Well, I, I, you know what? Don't 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 uh, uh, re- rewrite history. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, you're right. I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, and I'm Hammond, by the way. Yeah, I said you're Hammond. I said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I said the guy who wouldn't. And I said Hammond. I said your name. God. Is it? By the way, uh, Peter. I, when I listened back to our interview with Nathan, I did yeah. say, or was it Daryl that got on me? Whichever one of you guys got on me. I said Peter and Daryl. I, I think I did. It. Was it you that got on me? Yeah. I said both of your names. I listened to it. Although I don't I care. You still yeah, made yeah, me I watch listened, Munchies. I listened. Yeah. I listened to it today, so. Yeah. So you still I, made me watch Munchies. Yeah, you still made me watch Can't Buy Me Love. Okay. <clears throat> what? What is that? <laughs> you know what? We're not going to go do this. We're not going to do this. Okay, so here, here's what. Here's the, here's some the thing. girls, that's okay, but not can't buy me love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some girls had Jennifer Connelly, and I just keep coming back to that. All right, so here's the deal. Amanda Peterson. I know, but still, it's uh, Je- Jennifer <sighs> Connelly. Jennifer Connelly, sorry. McDreamy. More so. More yeah, well. Nick Dreamy. <laughs> okay, so here, here's, oh, the, here's, here's the dealio. <laughs> We're just animals right now. I, 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 what, is everybody on cocaine? All right, it's, it's the 80s, yay. All right. <laughs> So, <laughs> I want to do a movie. It's, it's the writer's room of every sex comedy in the 1980s. I uh, want a midget with big boobs. Paint the midget green. Got to have a scene with Fly. fat fingers. Fat fingering the fat fingers. All right. well, let, let's have Tom Atkins fat finger her. Yes. But then, here's a twist for you. She'll be a robot. And it'll all be a dream. Okay, can no, I just no, say no, this out no, the front? No, 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 don't yet. <laughs> don't yet, because I want to make sure I set the groundwork here. 
What I love about this situation is, and I'm going to call him into the carpet just a wee bit, mainly because he's he, he before we got on disc of Assault on Precinct 13, which immediately puts him on my, my crap list. But, <laughs> but Hammond has never, not only has he never seen this movie, right? Hammond, I'm correct in that. No, that was my first time seeing it. Okay. But tell me, tell the, tell the peeps what you told me about the fact, like, not only had you never seen it, what surprised you? And don't go into detail, just what did you remember what you told me? Which part? The part about who's missing? Yes. Yeah. Where the hell is Michael? Okay, okay. So you literally, in 2015, <laughs> it's like the equivalent of somebody not knowing the end of the sixth sense. <laughs> not knowing who Kaiser Soze is. I was about to say Kaiser Soze. Or <laughs> the, the the crying game plot twist. You, you, oh, she was hot. I don't know. I, 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 she, uh, she was great in Stargate. Yeah. She was, actually. And I will say, interesting, yeah. have I, I've told you my, my tech story about crying game, right? Haven't I told you that before, guys? Uh, the guy I was a football player with? If you did, is you? Okay, we'll talk about that one later because it has nothing to do with this. When we cover the crying game at some point, we'll cover that because that story is the best ever. So oh. I'm, I don't want to be on that one. I'm sorry. Are you crying with in, in I the love shower? That movie. So, so you truly didn't know. Wait, but I think that it's awesome. This is like some kind of uh, sociological wait, wait, wait. experiment. Yes. So Hammond didn't know? He didn't know. No, that, I didn't know. Hey, well, I actually sent that him a message. So cool. It is because so I sent him deflowered. a message. Yeah, he did. He sent me a message about this. And what I was, and said, where in the blue screaming hell is Michael Myers? And, it, and I literally cheered, and here's why. Because right. Hammond now represents every poor schlub that went into a movie theater in 1982 legitimately. Like, we could do the whole yeah, pretending. What true. was it like in 1982 to go and you thought you were going to see Michael and you knew, no, oh, no. But see, so everything he says is now he's literally, it's almost like that. Back to the Future Day was my son. Yeah, my, I was my, just gonna yeah. say that. Was yesterday my eldest son's birthday. Lucky, lucky kid got to have Back to the Future Day be his birthday. How cool is that? Wow. Ninth nice. birthday, and uh, uh, well, my Mia, I got I got engaged on Halloween night. So oh, that really had nothing to do with there it. There you go. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to be in there with his son. So do you basically want to take my nine year old's glory away? Is that where we're going with this, Peter? You really <laughs> had to one up my nine year old. Okay. <laughs> So, so Hammond, but what I love about this, seriously, it's literally like this weird time travel thing where Hammond, 30 plus years after this movie came out, Mm -hmm. went into it in the same way somebody in 1882 would have. And I think that is freaking awesome. Yeah, and I was pissed. Because, and you (laughs) know what? So were 99.8% of everybody who saw this movie. It's like like a Nightmare on Elm Street film without Freddy. No, it's it's like, I I can't even compare it really to uh, Friday 13th Part 5. Spoiler alert. Um, Except for, because at least they kind of put on airs that it's Jason. Yeah, no, this was worse. This was a complete bait and switch. No, no, it wasn't. And and I'm going to get into why. But I can understand oh, why you're it, pissed. It was on the TV and while they were watching. No, not at all. Actually, not at all. Wow, he's already getting snarky about it. All right. Well, you know, he's I mad imagine, about this. I gotta imagine theaters. If, if there were probably people like Hammond in 1982 went to see this movie had and had such a visceral reaction that they truly wanted to just burn the theater down. Oh, imagine! Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Were there many theater burning? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't looked. I should have done the research. Oh no, because that's the thing. Is if Twitter had been around. Ooh, oh, this Lord. movie would not have made it. No. Nope. Well, it didn't make it. It didn't make it then. Now, we'll get into all the all the, all the particulars. Because here's the thing. I had not seen this movie in a very long time. And the only time I had ever seen this one, I believe, was one of those where the local TV stations plays it around Halloween time. And it's edited for TV. So I sort of saw the PG version. 
I don't recall. I may have seen it on tape at one point, but I truly, my only memory is seeing it on regular TV, edited for TV. And as a kid, I remember being, I also remember stories because I had family members that were horror fans, you know, older teenage cousins and things that had gone to see it and were pissed because there was no Michael. And I remember that conversation taking place, but not getting it. Like, I don't think I understood any of that mythology at that time. So uh, growing up, this movie had this weird mystique about it. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, I was like, no, it had a weird mistake about it. Okay. You know what? We're going to throw down, brah. This is going to, <laughs> hey, brah, this is going to be like Assault on Precinct 13 when Jason and I threw the gloves off, brah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, <laughs> look, I was annoyed by the first noise in this movie. <laughs> you mean the music? And then I heard the soundtrack. Like, oh, this is right up Joel's alley. No wonder he's making me watch this. Oh, my <clears throat> God. Oh, Peter, please tell me you're going to come to my. You do know Peter is like a six foot eight Viking, right? He is totally. Now, the fact that he probably. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm taking a, a backseat to this fight. I'm, I'm bringing popcorn. <laughs> I want to watch you. Damn, know, it, just watch Damn it, Peter. Back you're the muscle. Why are you. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So he, he, here's the deal. I watched this movie three times on Blu-ray, twice with commentaries, one with Tom Atkins, one with director Tommy Lee Wallace. One naked for no reason. <laughs> well, I was, wearing, how much I was wearing. 64 was working for the opening sequence. <laughs> I was we- I was wearing. First of all, it's 82. Cut it some slack. Um, I was wearing a wife beater. And a tight jacket. And a tight jacket <laughs> and no pants. That's not officially naked. Oh, same thing. Okay. So real quick. <laughs> you say okay a lot because that's the jacket. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so, Peter, do you have a synopsis for this one, or should I just say it's the one without Michael? Yeah, well, that kind of works, yeah. I TV's going to kill you if you watch too much TV. End of 80s. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, hair is going to grow suddenly, on your palm. And suddenly, you. and suddenly Joel regretted his idea <laughs> to invite him <laughs> on the final show of the 2015 Week. <laughs> okay. No, the, the gist of it is there is some sort of 3,000-year-old witch, presumably, played by well, the— The uh, original script, yes. Yeah, well, a, a pl- played by the guy who uh, h- headed up the corporation in RoboCop, and he wants to take Halloween masks, sell them to children. Mm-hmm. Those children will then, at 9 o'clock during the horror-thon, will turn on their TV and have their masks melt on their head and snakes and bugs and crap come out of their face and that will right. kill the face. I love the fact they only made a reference to the fact that there are three channels. They did, yes. yes. I love that reference that they were like, it's still playing on the third channel, yes. oh my gosh! Stop it! Which we'll get into. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to see, This is, I literally have, thank you for giving me a purpose and a goal tonight, Hammond, other than just annoying the crap out of people. I, my goal tonight is to convince you through really no evidence of the movie itself, but but purely but purely understanding full context uh-huh. of the intentions and the ideas and and the appreciate I, I you will not like the movie because I can already tell you don't but I think I can at least get you to somewhat appreciate what they were going for. You may believe they failed, and that's fair, but I'm just saying I admire the intent. If they had dubbed it something else well, given it like scanners okay. two, yes or something made it completely unrelated scanners too that would have pissed people off as well <laughs> i know but you know what i'm saying yes. it's this whole idea of of okay. an external source let me set the groundwork here okay first off i'm going to just assume everybody who's listening to this has seen the movie so spoiler alert blah 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 i would, I would think okay mm-hmm. if I, they hadn't i'm sorry <laughs> well, they should know the secret if they didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, so hey, everyone, hey, hey, everyone no. but Hammond knew the secret. <laughs> okay, so 
It, yeah. oh, hey, this hey, is like hey, a fight hey, of the century. This hey. is Apollo Creed versus Rocky. Wait, wait. Psycho and Hammond, just in case you didn't know. In Psycho, Norman. Okay. Because I'll know the people like well, the Don't you spoil it for me. I know. Okay. Sorry. All right. The intention of the filmmakers, right? John Carpenter, yep. Deborah Hill were were brought in to make another Halloween movie. They had made Halloween 2. Tommy Lee Wallace, the director of this one, was going to direct 2 and decided he didn't like the script that much. And he and Carpenter go way back. They went to USC together. Says something about his tastes. Then. <clears throat> he, worked at, he, he worked on one of the greatest low-budget actioners of the 70s, Assault on Priest 13, but he also worked He also worked on Halloween. Well, will you at least acknowledge Halloween? Oh, the first Halloween is absolute genius. Okay. Yes. Tommy Lee Wallace was art director and co-editor of that movie, and co-edited, and the editing was a big piece of that movie. So. Yeah, it was. Okay. The fact that there's, there's time and space yes. and all that kind yes. of stuff and in the, build, the film yes. makes it effective. Yes. Now, he had the opportunity to do two. It would have been his directorial debut. He turned it down because he didn't like the script that much. He then, you know, it's a couple years go by. He has the opportunity to do three. Deborah Hill and John Carpenter didn't want to do continue the whole Michael Myers saga because considering at that time, they it's sort of like Wes Craven. Like initially he wanted to do Nightmare. He stepped away from two. He agreed to come back and write the story for three. And then you get to a place as a creator, I think, where you're kind of like, yeah, I'm over this. Let's move on to something else. So hmm. I, I get that. I, I think they also misjudged what audiences wanted. Okay. But that being said, at that point, while we had had a couple Friday 13ths, we hadn't had Nightmare on Elm Street yet, right? It's 82, so we were up to the right. third Friday the 13th. Other than that particular franchise, there's no other major horror franchise, right? Because Correct me right. if I'm wrong. I mean, there's a lot of slashers starting to come out in these copycats, but there's not this idea of doing 18 sequels to something. It At this point, we're up to the third Friday the 13th. That came out the same year as this one. So really, as far as the context of them making this movie, we've only gotten the second one probably at that point. Now, that being said, the intention was this, and I think it's a cool idea. I just think it was miscalculated by calling it Halloween. Their thought was this. Okay, we had the first two Michael Myers stories. It, they take place in the same night. They bookend each other. That has played itself out. That was their idea. And then they said, okay, what if we decided to do every year a new Halloween movie that is an anthology that everyone, the only connection to any of these, and essentially like almost like Halloween 1 and 2 would be the first one. Right. Then this one would be another one. And then every year we would get this whole new Halloween movie. And Tommy Lee Wallace talked about the fact uh, that they could have spun, those could have spun off and you know to other things but so that was the idea and he also acknowledges that one of the biggest mistakes they made was calling it halloween three because I, like you said gives an impression yeah they that should it's have a continuation the three halloween but yes, if they put a colon instead of a three it'd be a whole different thing and they and they did they did this with tv too remember they did friday the 13th and yeah. people thought it was sure. Friday the 13th, and yes. it wound up being uh, people looking for artifacts. It'll be interesting so, to see if they've learned their lesson, because we're supposed to be getting a new Friday the 13th TV show that actually deals with Jason. So that'll be yes. interesting to see if they... But here's the thing is, uh, let's see, Tales from the Crypt did it with their couple movies, The mm-hmm. Demon Knight sure. and Knight. Yep. Bordello of Blood. Yep. Uh, there was a third well, one. Tales, though. I mean, at least you got it that it's not... Yes, it's like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, but no, Tales from the yeah. Crypt, though, was already an established anthology series, though. So right. I think nobody expected, other than the crypt keeper, crypt keeper. You just expect a story, a yeah. horror, horror story. Yes. So I guess where I'm going with this is, I think if you go back and, and watch the trailer, what I, is that? I, I don't. Oh, I, my bad. That's my phone. <laughs> oh, of 
course. My God, Joel's gonna have theme music for his rant. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. All right. No, if I, if I if if I did if I did, it would be this. Let me tell you why this movie doesn't suck, doesn't suck. Let me tell you why this movie really doesn't suck. Okay. Holy shit, he had that prepared. I, I actually didn't. I just totally made that. <laughs> hey, hey, kids, kids, ADD's a gift. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm actually, like uh, I, I agree with Joel on this one, uh, and Tom Lee Wallace, and uh, Carpenter, and Deborah Hill, because it could have been cool. It's, it it could have. Okay. Halloween story every year. Now, so, so let me finish my rant, and then I'll give him like at least 20 seconds to uh, have rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> So, the, the that was the intention. So, A, in my opinion, they immediately get bonus points for trying to be original. That, in, in especially in the 80s, as this, you know, the glut of all the, you know, the, not the sequels, but the um, Friday the 13th ripoffs and the Halloween ripoffs and all these things are starting to come out. And some of them are good, but there are all these movies coming out. And then we start to get into the pattern of a, they got to have a franchise. Well, they were at least saying, you know what? No, let's be creative and do something original, which last time I checked is the thing that all the fanboys and gals out there won't shut the hell up about Hollywood. Why won't they come up with something new? Well, probably because we keep giving them money to make the same crap over and over again. I'm just saying. Yeah, they don't saying. mean it when they no, say that. No, of course they, they don't, because then a movie like this comes out couple, and people get pissed. There's like a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of psychos. There's a couple right. of omens. There's right. a... Yeah, there's a yeah. A shit ton of Halloweens and Friday Thirteen. Yeah, but and... if but if you try to do something quote unquote different, people get pissed, and I get it. That's I think that's yeah. human nature. I just think people right. say they want it to be different, but eh, not that different. Now, Tommy Wallace also did something because he has the writing and directing credit for this. He has acknowledged that he really shouldn't get complete writing credit because the original writer, Peter, you know who that was, right? Oh shit! I wrote I wrote this down somewhere. Damn it! Okay, I will I will I pull know. you out of the fire. It was Nigel Neal. Yes, yes, yes. Who did? Yes. Do you remember who offhand? Did, uh, who, yes, who did the uh, uh, Quittermass? Yes, uh, yes. The, yes. Yes, the, the BBC, or it was, I don't know, the BBC, they did some move with, I know it was theatrical as well, right? But wasn't there some also, I'm not as familiar uh, with that. Yeah, I've seen one of, no, two of them, I think. Was oh, it Quittermass in the Pit? Isn't that one? Or yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. one of them. Okay. So uh, he, he did those, so he was known as more this cerebral, science fiction-y, with the elements of horror, almost Lovecraftian type of screenwriter. He wrote, he wrote, wrote a lot for Hammer. And yeah, so. a lot of stuff for <laughs> Hammer. So more of a classy type guy. That's who they bring in initially. He is the reason why you got Stonehenge and witchcraft and all of that stuff. That's right. where all that comes from is him. Well, it came out of nowhere. I mean, it, you, you don't want to expect that to be part of this. The, exactly. And then... John Carpenter, Deborah Hill come in. They modernize it. I think they are responsible for a lot of the technology pieces. Mm-hmm. And then Wallace comes in, and and I, I, I guess because when you're friends with somebody and you go into school with them, you can have the cojones to tell John Carpenter, yeah, I'm really not that crazy about your script. I'm going to rewrite it. But he did, and he incorporated And if you go back and watch this movie, you can see it. There's a lot of homage and allusion to the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, yes. A yeah, lot. I could see. Yeah, a it lot. did have that. Basically the story. And that's <laughs> yeah. and Wallace went into the fact that's pretty much his favorite movie, if not one of his favorite movies. So so you've got all of these pieces together. Now, he has done uh, yeah, something. He even, he even uh, named the town. 
Yes, yeah, Santa Mira. Uh, yeah, Santa Mira. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They even even the scene where Doctor Chalice, the Tom Atkins character, has his six back six pack uh, of beer on the phone, mm-hmm. on the payphone when he's calling his ex wife to say, "Yeah, hun, I know I said I'd take care of the kids, but I got this young hottie I'm going to go off to a hotel yeah. with." That, that, honey, that, I'm not coming home. That area no. right there. They actually that was uh, scenes from the original was shot in that exact area. And oh. apparently, right around the corner, this is the beauty of watching the commentary. Right around the corner is the church from the fog. That looks so familiar when I so the, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's yeah, I, yeah, and all and the the, the gas station is also from the fog. Yeah, so I mean, there's yeah. a lot of these like connections and things. And again, I I realize right. you. This is here, hey folks, I'm not a film critic apparently because I film critic would just go, you know, let's go the movie on its own merits. I'm saying screw that. I'm more <laughs> of the I'm more of a historian wannabe. I I want to think the whole context. Okay, mm-hmm. Hammond, are you still there? Are you sleeping? No, I'm up. just letting okay. you go. Okay, you're mm-hmm. such a. It's almost like you've done a show with me before and just realized. <laughs> I, no, he's like a fisherman. He's letting you tire yourself. Oh, that's out. true. Yeah, yeah that's actually, yeah. that's a good point. Okay, I, you tire it really? No, he knows. Okay. Oh, I know. So, so that's that. Now, I feel like the bigger mistake that Wallace made, and he acknowledged it, was, and it sounds like something I totally would do. Hence, my all my regret of calling this particular show "Forgotten Flicks" because and I was trying to be all clever with the title and blah 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 blah, and nobody gets it. The he he said his goal he, he came up with he wanted to keep Halloween three because the Halloween three and they actually say that in the movie they say the Halloween three is referring to the the three masks. Now that is reaching. <laughs> Far, I mean, yeah, stretching to reach it. Yes. Really, really. So I acknowledge, and he acknowledges. Here's the thing: in hindsight, he acknowledges all of that. He realizes that really the mistake in this movie is marketing. He said, if we had it to do over again, we would have called it Season of the Witch, put it out there, boom, let it be its own thing. Because if you watch it like that, I believe it's not a bad movie. It's not a perfect movie, but it's no. not a bad movie. If you watch it called Season of the Witch, it has nothing to do with the Halloween franchise other than no. maybe incidentally you've got these homages to it. But other than that, there's no connection other than the holiday. That's it. Now, yes. that being said, and there's some other interesting things that, that I in my research I found, mm-hmm. I am now going to give the floor over to my colleague across the aisle, <laughs> Hammond. Oh, my turn? Yes, your turn. Okay. So I I agree. If it had a colon instead of a three, it would have been, I would have been on board for it being a B, B plus kind of uh, niche horror movie okay. from the early 80s, late 70s. I would have totally swallowed that pill and probably enjoyed it a lot more. But the whole time... They're teasing you with the fact that it's a Halloween film. Mm -hmm. It's Halloween 3. And I kept waiting for something Halloween-y to happen. And other than the masks and his bratty kids who complained that he bought cheap masks instead of the big fancy masks, which, frankly, after hearing his kids complain about that, he should have let them die in front of the TV. (laughs) Wow. They probably did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if they had done that as a as a thing, I would have been fine with it. But I kept waiting for something to happen. Oh, and the thing is you have the benefit of three viewings, one without commentary and two with other commentaries trying to actually sell you on the fact that this movie doesn't suck. Kind of true, though. I think that me coming in with no commentary and watching it as a person in the theater would have, I don't have the benefit of all this information and people retroactively trying to fix it. Well, yeah. 
or maybe justify it or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, no but I, I, I remember when I saw this uh, on a VHS. I never saw this in the, the theater. I saw it on VHS, and I never saw it from the from the beginning, which is makes it even more confusing. Right. And I was like, uh, like, hey, like, uh, wasn't this supposed to be a Halloween movie? And and since I didn't see the the credit, uh, the opening scenes, I was like, well, and I checked the you know, the the cover, and I said, it, it is a Halloween movie. When what, when when the hell is he? So I was kind of pissed the first time I saw it too. But uh, watching it now again, I've seen it a couple of times since then. And uh, as a yeah, it's the whole standalone thing that makes it work. I mean, there's plot holes galore in this movie, but uh, it, it still it still works. That's a cool horror movie from the 80s. Yeah, nothing makes you more terrified of the Hall of Presidents in this movie. Yeah, and I didn't see... Well, I had already had the outrage had already happened, so <laughs> I already heard about it before I saw it on cable, so it wasn't uh, even like a surprise for me. Yeah. So that kind of helped me not, you know... I want to ask him in this then. So is your real criticism... The marketing slash slash expectation, because well, you're you're pointing out that you know that my liking of the movie had you know was influenced retroactively, but actually I liked it when I watched it the first time without the commentary. So, but th- that made me like it more, and I'm afraid that made me appreciate it more when I understood the full context of what they were going for. Yeah, but what about how about the first time you watched it? Oh, the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. Now, I admit that there were, I mean, the plot is a little convoluted and that there were some issues like the fact that Ellie, if she is, a, again, spoiler alert, we're just going to jump all over the place on this bad boy. The, yeah. the girl that whose father dies at the catalyst for the whole story turns out in the end that she was a robot. So the question is, was she a robot the whole time? Or was she just a robot? Oh, I, that's my problem. I, that, that's the thing I forgot, and that was my problem with it, too. Was she a sex bot? I was going to ask you if I missed something. No, I think she... I th- I personally go that they had... They theoretically, if you want to go with the idea that they can make robots look that authentic to begin with, mm-hmm. that they maybe had already had something in place to where they could convert her towards the end of the movie, because I sort of... She doesn't speak once he saves her, so... I, but then that gets well, to the whole see, question I of why wouldn't she they, have just gone against, like, why would she have let him escape? Well, see, what I thought was that it was really her throughout the thing. And then when they got captured, yes. then they killed her yes. and replaced her with That's the what bot. I think too. And then they, he rescued the bot and not but her. But they were saying, why did the bot let him escape? Like, why, as soon as his back was turned to it, did he not? Well, I don't think she even got the bot had the signal to, to, to flip. Yeah. But see, that's what I mean. So there's, there's definitely, like any... A lot, I shouldn't say any, a lot of the movies I love, I can acknowledge there are holes. Yes, because it's too real. I, I, I'm I, like, it had to be either they didn't know how to, they cut some things out of the movie they didn't think about, but it had to be that was her in the beginning. Yeah, because she was too, they, yeah, she's yeah. too emotional. And, right. and up to that point, all the robot guys that work for uh, Connell Cochran, the Dan O'Hurley character, they, they're all so robotic. And they're yeah, so, exactly. to, to Hammond's exactly. point, it's like the Hall of Presidents. So, you know, I think, which, by the way, interesting little tidbit. Do you know how they got that orange goo? So when they would, you know, squish them in and the, what, what that was? What was it? Orange juice, frozen orange juice. I don't like huh. that. Which makes it even grosser for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was just some goo that they had created, you know, some little concoction. But no, that's nasty. So you're right. Context has a lot to do with the way I feel about it. Sure. And. I think that that's going to always color the way I feel about it because it really was a bait and switch for me. And I'm going to have that flavor in my mouth. I mean, it's just like 
the first time I saw Beetlejuice, I was in a kind of I not a good time for me, and it's got all these associated memories. And to this day, I still hate Beetlejuice. Yeah, I can so, understand that with some movies, yeah. And so I think because I went in with the information I had, which is none, yeah. it has colored the way I feel about this. And even trying to separate it out, I'm like, okay, so on its own, it's it's a, a B, B-plus movie at best mm-hmm. with a lot of really giant gaping plot holes mm-hmm. that make me ask a lot of questions that the movie doesn't have answers for. Sure. Well, how, how about this? This and I, 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 Even though I realize I could be defeating my own argument here. However, I'm not arguing that it's the greatest plot ever written. The fact that the big bad in this movie, Connor Co- Cochran, the guy who runs Silver Shamrock, the the fact that his master plan is to sell masks to all the children mm-hmm. with the with, all of all over America, all over America, not the world, just I guess yeah. Amer- just the United States, and then yeah. that they're going to all have them. Which obviously not every single kid's going to have this because they'll have. Actually, uh, one of the commentaries was great. The guy pointed out, you realize at the end of the day. All the rebel kids, all the kids that refuse to conform, they get to live. So actually, this is – is this meant to be like some sort of indictment of conformity? Because the idea that only mm-hmm. the kids that wear these masks are the ones who are going to get killed. But then you have the added element of the assumption that they would all be at their TVs at that time and they would all yeah, – yeah, there's, there's too many variables but, he couldn't control is where I'm yeah, going with this. No, and what he forgot was you have time zones. Oh, and yeah, that's a huge one. Right. That's a huge yeah. one. It, it seems he just wanted chaos for Halloween. I like think it's it, more, it's yeah, sim- you're right. <laughs> it's simplistic in one part, 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 in one part, because it's like, we. I just want to destroy Halloween for kids. And then in another part, it's like he wants to create this hell on earth Yeah. for yeah. another, because it can kill other people in the vicinity. Like, if it happens in a closed area, I mean, that's... You know, it's supposed to kill other people, but it's such an elaborate scheme that it's like we got to put the chip in the mask and then they got to buy the mask and then the chip activates. And then it, it was turns. very James Bondy in its yes, elaborate. It was. <laughs> yeah. Goldfinger. Goldfinger could have stolen part of this, the, the Stonehenge, and made this work and it would have been a Bond villain. And it's awesome that you say that because. It's a little ironic that Nigel Neal, the original screenwriter on it, was approached to write some of the earlier James Bond films. I don't know if it was Dr. No or just some of the subsequent ones and refused because he wasn't a fan of Ian Fleming. <laughs> so sort of funny that you said because I'm sure that that element that's there, I would assume, comes from him. That's yeah. my assumption. Yeah. So I just ha- I have to ask one question before we get too far off. Well, further off the beaten path. Well, I think we're actually pretty. I mean, we've actually stayed no, on right. topic. We're still of the, on top for, for us, the, this is on topic. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that put me off the most is which bar shows cartoons. <laughs> so true. The one next to the elementary school. Well, then he found a football game, but it's midweek, years before Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. So what football game was playing like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday in the middle of the afternoon? Yeah, well, that, that that wouldn't have been a, a high school game because they wouldn't show that now, either. What about a college no. game? Not, that, not, not on no. like a Tuesday or Wednesday. It was uh, early in the week. Uh, and there's no ESPN, so there's no. Well, here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this live. Who was playing? I don't. I didn't catch that. I didn't Who's catch on that. first. Oh, hold on. Yeah, it's on second. Oh, what's on second? Joel's on third. I don't. First base. And he went away. Here's he what, went away. No, I did not. I'm actually. Hold on. <laughs> I am going to see if I can. Oh, of course, it's going to be. A, you know, Joel. At yeah. this point, I'm just being a contrarian for. Oh, I know you entertainment are. Entertainment value. I, I know you are. Great. And, and I love you for that. <laughs> hold on. I am literally going back. 
1982. Hold on. To see what day it should have been. Because if Halloween fell on, let's see. It was supposed to be a Sunday, wasn't it? It was a Sunday. You're correct. So they mm-hmm. actually got they. I see they give credit because how many movies get that wrong? They got that yep. part right. Yeah, and this they was did do that, so yeah. this must have been Wednesday, Thursday, maybe. I thought it was Tuesday, Wednesday. No, because he's in that bar and Ellie comes in. This would have been the night. Is this supposed to be the day after her dad died? Or is yeah, a couple? Well, he, yeah, he was supposed some days to take passed. the kids on Saturday. Right. Oh, and, and he calls. Wait, and that's when they leave that bar to go up. So it had to be Saturday. It could have been a college game. It could have been a college game. It could have been. Yeah, either that or a Friday. They, no, wait a minute. They spent no, the night. So it had to be Friday. Spent, it had to be Friday. Oh, but didn't he say, we? I'll be back by that night? I'll be back. By Saturday? Yeah. By, Something yeah. like that. Or yeah. by Halloween. I can't remember if you were saying you'd be back by Halloween or if you'd be back by Saturday. Yeah, I don't remember that. I think he said Saturday. I think we are probably analyzing this too much. We'll give Hammond that point that it probably was. An- <laughs> well, there's so many. That's that could that also is a problem with the movie as well because there's so many things that counter on other things working yeah. in this plan. It is, and that's why it's like a, a James Bond plot because everything has to link up. Yes, and and but look, do not part. enjoy a James Bond movie. Despite the absurdities of the no, plot, it, you're right. I do, and that's. I think that's one of the things that made it. It seemed. I mean, he stole a piece of freaking Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah like how did yeah, he, no, 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 no. He didn't I steal mean, a piece, not dude. A simple thing. He, no, like, no. He, he didn't steal a piece. He stole a freaking monolith, like from 2001. <laughs> how did that get we, through customs? And they don't seem to go together. No, how did uh, they stick that across? Yeah, None customs. <laughs> Well, it's funny how none of those things go together. Because first of all, you have a witch. He's a yeah. witch. Yes. Yeah. That's an old witch from ancient time or whatever. Then you throw in there Stonehenge. He has a piece of Stonehenge. I think what they're trying to argue is that Stonehenge is, you know, some of the myths around it is that it has magical properties. So that this guy who was around theoretically for eons would want to know how to harness the power of it uh, and turn himself into some sort of weird Rankin and Bass uh, uh, Jack Frost like character at the end because he's like a techno mage or like he could use yeah. like I'm still trying to figure out seriously I, what the hell did he turn into at the end? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know what that was I don't that know was the he's got like this grin on his face and he's just like this his face looks like tinsel like <laughs> And he, he seemed happy that he failed. Now, like I, I did like lo- he got away. I did love, but I loved Hurley He's performance, especially that moment when he looks up at Chalice and he just gives that little grin and just gives him that little clap, clap, clap. That, that yeah. was because he was creepy. He was a good, creepy villain. And the, would, thing, the acting in this movie is pretty good. Will you concede the acting in this movie is pretty good, Hammond? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying any. Like I said, on its own, it is a. B, B plus grade yeah. 80s yeah. horror movie. but Like, I felt that Tom Atkins didn't care about his kids when a good piece of tail came into his life. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> dead, dead true. I mean, and when he asked her, where do you want to sleep? No, no, she, yeah. She, yeah, she, no, she, sa- she says to him, what she say? Um, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Well, that's a exactly. dumb question, Mr. Bainbridge. Yeah. And, and he just the jacket dies gets tighter. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was and one he, of my notes as I put the, the jump to... Intimacy between those two was a little sudden. <laughs> yeah, I also really enjoyed the passive sexual harassment throughout the film. Uh, oh, Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, the commentary that Atkins did, it's, and actually even Tommy Lee Wallace, both, all of them comment on what just a complete hound chalices. And the fact that just to, it, when, the, when he taps the um, uh, older nurse on the backside, yeah. yeah. and uh-huh. he, Atkins started like, just goes, oh, yeah, I forgot that he did that. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, 
when he's in a uh, when she want to do it a second time, he gets a little worried there. How old are you? Oh yeah, that's when he finally yeah. I, I've already, oh, he's I've already, a bum. Yeah. Like he got yeah. the other girl that obviously he slept with the corner, before and the is love with yeah. him. Yeah, um, yeah. Going and the doing redhead. this extra work got her killed. Yeah. Also, didn't even yeah. warn her that this thing is dangerous. <laughs> no. no. And she gets caught up. The wife, he he's done with her. Like I'm sick of these kids and her. And then yeah. she kept throwing in that he goes to the bar every time. You're always drunk. Like you, you came to. I know you're drinking. You came to the house. I smell the alcohol. Like that's the first thing she says to him. D- did you? Do you guys know who played his wife? No. Ex- uh, and it's his ex-wife. I'm pretty. At first, I thought it was his wife. I think it's his ex-wife. It, they are. Set it is his ex-wife. Divorced. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. Do you guys know who she is? Uh, she was in. Uh, 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 damn it! She's been in. Uh, uh, I love uh, asking old, old. I like. I love asking old guys. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's, it's, she's been in a lot of Carpenter movies. Yeah, it's uh, Nancy Loomis. She goes by Nancy Keys now. She is the original Annie from the original Halloween, and oh. she was married. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She was married to Tommy Lee Wallace at the time, I believe, the, the director of the movie. And she was in Assault yeah. on Precinct Thirteen, which should make yeah. Hammond thrilled. Yeah. Oh, she was in The Fog too. Halloween One. They said she's in Halloween Two, but I think that's only because they may show what's her remains. You know, I don't think she's alive in Halloween Two because. The way Halloween one spoiler alert ends, I don't see how she could yeah. be in Halloween two other yeah, than I think I think they show her getting zipped up into a bag. I think it's a zip yeah, like they're zipping her into a bag or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen two in a long time. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So Hammond, I I, I, I apologize. Yeah. What were you gonna say earlier? Well, I was gonna bring up three real quick points. Okay. And and then we can move on. The homeless guy is that harbinger trope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh he's the, the the voice of warning and that no one listens to. Crazy right. Ralph. Yeah, uh, they really they really bring that out in the movie Cabin in the Woods as exactly that oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, we need to bring back the phrase "some bitch." Some bitch. Oh, it is yeah. some bitch. Oh, yeah. We got to bring that back. Yes, I agree. and then the one thing that really threw me the most about this is after she gets out of the shower, she's still soaking wet and wraps herself in a flea infested ratty motel quilt. <laughs> yeah, would you yes. would you do that? That is the that is not just the grossest thing in the movie. That's the most bizarre thing in the film. <laughs> that's what you're hung up on. Oh, Why awesome. she, yeah, yeah, because she uh, grabs a towel and then she drops that and then she jumps onto this. Uh, I really wasn't focused on that at the time, but okay, we'll go with it. So you didn't you didn't rewind that scene because she's naked. <laughs> I saw the movie three she times. Was a, she was a, a oh just a flea bag <clears throat> quilt soaking wet. Rolling around in that thing that could not have been comfortable. Oh, and I loved. Wait, no, my favorite oh, no. too is when Chalice comes back and she's <laughs> apparently brought with her the teddy or whatever she was wearing. Like she mm-hmm. is straight up sporting the sexy lingerie at this motel that she just on a whim is going to with this strange guy that she just met. Yeah. Because no, and they said too. something about Dick Warlock, which was my uh, yeah. hardcore <laughs> porn name. Yeah. Hey. I know. My porn I was going to bring up Mr. Warlock because Mr. Warlock was a renowned <laughs> stuntman. He played Michael in part two. He was the shape. And he is the one, uh, the sort of the head robot, I guess you could say. The, the one where Chalice pushes into his belly, apparently. Apparently these things weren't built very well. And he oh. has the orange juice come out. Uh, he's also the one, if I'm not mistaken, that rips the hobo's head off. That's Dick yeah. Warlock. Yeah. Yeah. And almost killed everybody, apparently, because there's a really great story about the fact that in the scene towards near the end when Chalice is driving the car and Robot Ellie 
starts attacking him right then mm-hmm. for the first of 18 times and they the car starts <laughs> yeah, to swerve never ended yeah if the car starts to swerve well dick warlock was also the stuntman and he's the one driving and if you pay close attention you can see it starts to fishtail towards the camera and then they cut it turned it out does, yeah, yeah they said every almost every commentary i don't remember atkins didn't bring it up but all the other ones in the behind the scenes i watched brought it up the fact that at that moment the camera crew, Dean, uh, and that you know, I want to get into this. That Dean Kundi was the DP on this. Um, the director, everybody's there, and behind that camera, and there was a telephone pole, and it's just at the edge of the frame. And apparently, the way the car hit bumped that telephone pole, and I think you can even see it bump the pole. Had it not, they would all either been horribly injured or killed. They get it was hitting right at them. Wow, damn! Because he lost basically yeah. something happened to where he just lost a little bit of control of that <laughs> car, and that's this was back in the day before we did everything. As much as possible with CGI, although usually, I mean, most car stunts, it's still a lot of it's practical. But, yeah, it's pretty much the same. But yeah, yeah I thought it was interesting to think this movie could have like a whole other you know era of tragedy about it. If and the station, uh, the uh, gas station attendant that found the guy uh-huh. that ran away, it was funny how he just I wanted him to just look at the screen and say these white people crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because he looks so I lo- scared. Oh, I love, I love, like he's the smartest character in the movie, though. Because he as soon as he's so in the hospital, as soon as he's in the hospital, yeah, he and he sees what's going down. He's like, out. <laughs> he just he gets from the door. Because yeah, first he, he said, "Look, I didn't rob him. I didn't hurt him." Before you people start thinking things, I didn't rob him. I didn't hurt him. But then, and I'm he, out. He's the poor sob, yeah. or sorry, some bitch. He is the poor some bitch who Chalice comes running up to at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like again. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a good thing. I did it. I need a new. I need a new gas station. God dang it! Oh, that's fantastic. Poor man. So Hammond, yeah. you're still hating it? <laughs> well, no. It's it's this this conversation is making it far more enjoyable. See, I, is we, it, can, can we let's get this out of the? Let's just. Put, it, it's the 800 pound grill in the room. Is it my fault? Like, should I have warned you there's no Michael in this movie? Would that have changed the dynamic? No, of it? that's great. The action is real. I know it is, no, but I feel actually, bad. Actually, actually uh, I think it would have it would have colored it to a point where I probably would have had a different set of glasses on. Uh-huh. But it, it, I think we're having a lot more fun with the fact that I came into I, yeah, it right. stark raving blonde. I know, but then there's that, that part yeah. of me that gets very guilty, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't yeah, want don't, you to... Don't, don't feel guilt. It's a, it's a movie from 82 that I had never watched. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it, like it, Munchies. It's so hard. <laughs> but it's so hard, to, it's so hard it's, today to watch a movie blindly. Yeah. It's it's almost impossible. I mean, you're, you're bombarded with... Uh, with tweets and Facebook updates and and six hundred trailers to a movie, five hundred teasers and mm-hmm. look at freaking talk. Star Wars. People are mad because they don't know everything that is in Star Wars. I am so right proud of myself, now. guys. Real quick sidebar: this is this is true forgotten flick style here. I am so proud of the fact I've seen all three trailers. Mm-hmm. I, I am fami- I am vaguely familiar with maybe like three of the new characters' names and that cute little robot, and that's all I know. I, well, I, that's all they told you. Well, no, but no, yeah. I, there's all the speculation and people doing their BS that I used to read all that crap all the time. Would, right. That's what that. Well, what ruined the prequels for me was the prequels. But initially, what ruined them for me is I oversaturated <laughs> right. myself at the time. But you, yeah. but there's nobody saying this is what it is, this and is that is what happen. makes me so happy because I legitimately right. feel like I'm going to go into that movie like somebody mm-hmm. went into Empire Strikes Back, where other than maybe a couple articles in Starlog back in 19. 19- mm-hmm. You know, 79, you might have read. You would know Jack and Squat other than the trailer about that movie going in because it's pre-internet and you ain't going to well, do all that crap. When was the last time a movie only had two teasers and one actual trailer? Yeah, and a trailer that 
thankfully did not give a buttload of stuff away. It gave you nothing. I mean, Halloween is an example of a time when you only got like one trailer. Yep, one trailer. For the most well, part. All I can say is that the Terminator Genesis movie, the trailer actually saved me the two and a half hours of sitting through the movie because it spoiled it for me. It, it tells you everything. And yeah. you know what? Yeah. It, 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 well, it did and it didn't because I will say this. I saw that. I did not hate it nearly as much as I thought it would, and I certainly didn't hate it as much as Salvation because that thing was abysmal. No, that was just... It was awful. Yeah, actually had, for, for the first Terminator movie, uh, one of the uh, film movie critics here, uh, one of the greatest actually in Sweden, who, uh, who was here it's for many Swedish years. It's a Swedish jeans with blonde hair. <laughs> oh, he looks exactly the same. That was awesome. <laughs> I think he was actually blonde. No, but but uh, they showed, uh, this is so stupid. They, when they show clips from the movie, they showed the last scene. Spoiler for the first Terminator, wow. where she crushes him. And we were like, Looking at each other, is, is this oh, is this man. is this the end or what? And when we when we actually watched it in the theater, it's because holy shit, he showed the ending. Pissed. Hey, really. just so while we're on the topic of this, I've never seen the first Predator movie either. What? Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh. But that's oh, we gotta that's do good. that. Well, we, well, uh, get to the chopper. Uh, wait. See, I've, I, I don't, I've known you the, all. I know the ugly mother, <laughs> but I, but I have never seen the first Predator movie. So if we want to do this, oh. oh, that's great. You must see it. Yeah, put that, put that in there. We got to do that. Okay, back to Halloween three because I actually want to talk about this movie. Here's the well, deal: I have determined I am not a good movie critic. Actually, Hammond is right. That's how you should approach it. It's like, what is the movie on its own merits? Blah blah blah. That bores the crap out of me. I much rather like go deep and dig into the. Most of the critics lie when they say they do that too. They say they don't, and then they and you can if you keep reading the the uh, the thing, you can actually catch it that they actually put some of their Biases experience into and, yeah, their bias right. into yeah. the. Re- yeah, I, and of course, I mean it's a subjective thing, no matter what. It's an opinion by its nature. But I think well, to yeah, Hammond's point. You should go into a movie cold. You shouldn't know anything. I mean, uh, uh, the critics that are professional about it, they go into it cold. They more than likely, I mean, other than the trailers that they have to sit through at the beginning of a movie, if they can even avoid trailers, I know a lot of them will. And mm-hmm. I think Roger Ebert was like that. I think he tried, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that always tried to avoid trailers. He tried to avoid everything and go in cold because it does make a huge difference. I mean, I know some of the great, the two greatest off the top of my head movie experiences I remember having were because I went in completely cold. One was Usual Suspects because it was a pre, it was like one of those uh, free pass preview things, like three weeks before it came out. Right. Nothing. I mean, zilch. And we was, did that with frequency, and I love that. Oh movie. yeah. See, and it, that's what happens. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. Crying Game was the same thing in that I only knew like high level. Oh, I I knew who the director was, Neil Jordan. I knew mm-hmm. I had liked a, a Company of Wolves and some other stuff he had done, and then I went in. Cold though I knew nothing about it other than the IRA angle, which I was interested in that stuff. So, but I knew nothing, and it was awesome, and I love that when that happens. And it happens so freaking rarely. But that being yeah. said, I still want to know more from the historical. To me, that's what makes the movie better. Like if I think if I just watched Halloween three the one time, I would have come away like you're saying, Hammond. Yeah, it's like a B level for me, a B B plus fun little <clears throat> anthology horror movie. If I take it out of the context of the Halloween series, if I compare it to the other Halloweens, it's not the strongest effort, but it's not the weakest. But it's kind of weird to compare it because it has nothing to do with any other ones. No. But when I go deeper on it, wow, that sounded inappropriate. When no. I go, I know bad <laughs> that, that I feel I I end up liking it even more. Is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, yeah, and actually, you, you can't really compare it to the others because it no. has nothing at all to do with it. <laughs> nothing so, at all, other than the the name Halloween Three. And it's so passive aggressive in, in terms of the plot. Like it's not like <laughs> Michael Myers that, just coming in and just killing everybody. It's yeah, not. It's this. <laughs> it guy is. It really. Plotting. It really is like a. It is like a pouty girlfriend coming <laughs> after you with the plot. Yes, <laughs> it's like I don't like that these people celebrate Halloween. That's not how it used to be. Yeah, there's not enough blood flowing in the streets. Yeah, it? so I'm going to make a plan to secretly destroy it all. Now, H- Hammond, how many of the Halloween sequels have you seen and are familiar with? I've seen one, two, and H2O. Okay, so you've actually seen good ones. I always thought four. Four has always been a personal favorite of mine. i said this before. I Because just it has perhaps... As much as the first one, or maybe even more so, it really captures the feeling of fall for me. Like, it just feels right. It almost feels like this cold, cool kind of, there's something about it. Five, it's been a long time. Uh, We had Nathaniel Toll on uh, for an interview who he wrote Pumpkin Cinema, and he championed part five a little bit. And he acknowledged, I think, that it wasn't like the greatest movie ever. Actually, I know people that were in five because it was all filmed here in Utah. So did they have any interesting stories about it? Yeah, it was one of the guys who played a, a policeman, and then there's one other character, uh, real minor. And yeah, I mean, they had a great time. They thought it was a great project to work on, and they really, I mean, had a good time working on it. Do you still know them? Uh, kind of. Okay. They were also people who were in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, okay. People who whose autographs you may have gotten for a friend of yours who then uh, subsequently gave it to somebody else. Who takes care of it and loves it and cherishes That's it. That's right. So. But see, I did, I did the right thing. He you said, did. He said guiltily. Okay. <laughs> hey, can I just say one more thing? That if this were made in a in a modern time, mm-hmm. there are so many problems that cell phones and oh, internet yes. would have solved. Yes. Yeah. Well, they even said, I think yes. it was during the Atkins commentary. I can't remember. I think the guy's name was Michael. I don't remember his last name that was sort of hosting the commentary. They got into that, that it, this couldn't either couldn't work today or you'd have to completely retool the angle because yeah the, with the internet youtube i mean how would you stop it in a way though in a way i actually that intrigues me because i think that would be almost more ominous it's more dangerous but then it turns into a, a saw film because then it turns into a moral play about uh the the infestation of media into the lives and how people can exploit us mm-hmm. do you like that or not like that when movies do that I, it would be fine if they did that. I think that that would make the the, the danger of it a lot bigger. Let's yes, say if right. it's like a deep web video that people are kind of questing to make this mask oh, see. more interesting. You could get really seedy with this and go to a really deep underground kind of world of deep web, scary, yeah, you know, sad be, Satan kind of stuff. Hey, see, Hollywood, if you want to remake crap. Although, interesting <laughs> side note. That's the right person. Is, is apparently the, when Rob Zombie was going to do Halloween 3. His his uh-huh. Halloween three before he made Halloween two and everyone went like, uh-huh. um, <laughs> Tom Atkins revealed that he was actually slated to be in Zombies Halloween three as and he was going to play a doctor he was going to be a psychiatrist uh-huh. and was, I don't think it was going to be a big part but and it was the character was not going to be named Doctor Chalice but I think there would have been this awesome parody of him being in both Halloween threes <laughs> as <Yeah>. a doctor. <laughs> And knowing Rob Zombie, he would have had him smack some nurse in the butt. More than likely, more than likely. So and that, would have that, dug that, into everything. Because that's one of the, that's one of the uh, homages that you know people like Robert Rodriguez and Rob Zombie and Tarantino would do just to make people who pay attention sure. giggle. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, now that that going to that idea of homage, 
this movie, as I mentioned, has quite a few references, a lot of them visual to the original. I have one. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. What do, what do you have as the one? Uh, I, I, if it's an homage, I don't know. But did you, uh, during the, the It's Almost Time montage at the end, uh-huh. did you catch in the background what one of the department stores recalled? No. It was called Landis Department. Oh, yeah, I did see the Landis. Yes. When you're showing all the kids trick or treating, they're riding the bike down the hall. Yep. Yep. I caught that. Not sure if it's an homage or something. I I wondered. I thought it could be a reference. It could be a reference to to him. And there was obviously a lot of little nods to the original Halloween. I did like very much like Scream, where you have the scene in Scream during the party where they're watching Halloween. And then there's they actually incorporated the music and elements of the original Halloween into what's happening to the characters in Scream. And this one does something similar when Chalice is tied up and you, he's, you know, they turn the TV on for him, which was, I thought was very thoughtful. Actually. Uh, I would think to myself, well, if I'm going to go out and get to watch Halloween while I'm dying. So uh, they do that. Now, one thing I didn't get a chance to do yet. He looks up at the clock and they said the movie had started. I think it was supposed to have started at seven or eight, because it's supposed to, the the thon at nine o'clock is when the kids are supposed to be in front of their TV. Yeah, the, yeah, the, for the great giveaway. Yeah, so I think the clock when he looks up to it, it says seven forty or seven forty nine. And I thought to myself, and then he looks at the TV. So the TV has a certain moment happening. I I wanted to see, were they that good? Did they actually get it to where the movie matches up? But then they would have also had to work in commercial breaks. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, that's true. Yeah, that, that OCD part of me is like, did they actually go so far as to get it precisely <laughs> where it would have been? No, I didn't. I didn't have time to. I, should. <laughs> I, I apparently had time to watch the friggin' movie three times, but not check that. <laughs> well, didn't they do that in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, have them watching uh, Evil Dead? Yes. Yeah, because that became a big thing between Craven and uh, uh, Raimi. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. the original Evil was the original Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead 2, I know you see the Hills Have Eyes poster. I think the original Evil Dead, you see maybe it's the Hills Have Eyes poster. Or maybe it's in both. I don't remember. I think, I, it was, think it, I think it's in both. I'm not sure, but I think it's more prominent in the yeah. in, uh, Evil Dead 2. Yeah. So so I think that's what it was. And then cause that's why Craven did that. You see it very clearly on the yeah. red, red yeah. laser disc. But you're right. And I, and I, like, I don't know. I like that when you, the characters in a horror movie. You didn't react to that. Did you hear that? What's that? I actually so caught you, it in the way of waiting for Joel. Clearly. What did you say? You, you see it. Yes. You see the poster very clearly on that red laser disc. Oh, I you have. know what? Up yours. Between you, <laughs> I just realized I got two guys on this friggin' show who I covet things they own. Yeah, you you have the skull, Hammond, right? I do. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Up yeah, both of yours. Up both of yours. <laughs> this is when the turn. The only reason Daryl, the only reason Daryl's ever agreed to do the show is because he just loves to. When 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 I go completely psychotic, that's his favorite yes. thing. All right. <laughs> So, uh, oh, and by the way, was this what you're referring to earlier, Peter? It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Do you know who that is? Yes, that's Tommy Lee Wallace. It is, and apparently, and what I loved is when he talked about. I guess in most of Carpenter's earlier works, he's whenever they have a cheesy radio sounding guy or announcer, it's him. Yeah, because now, you know what sick is? I use that. I use that quote all the time. It's almost whenever time, it's something as uh, well, so when it's almost favorite. time. I go run. Uh-huh. It's almost time, kids. It's Did, so uh, creepy uh, and annoying. <laughs> yeah. 
and I can't stop myself. Every time, okay, we have to go there, and that's yeah, it's it's almost time, kids. What were, we, what were we gonna say, Hammond? Did Carpenter do the music for this one too? Yeah, he and Alan Holworth did. Yeah, it's a very. I like the score. I realize you probably it's don't. It's a Hammond. great score. No, I, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, this is right up Joel's alley because oh, well, you love up. this kind of score. I it's love like, it. It's yes. like Carpenter is the musician of your whole life. It really is. And Hammond, yeah. I, I believe you were going to say something about yes because uh, I, I i do want to make sure before we go much further that before we end guys we got to talk about dean kundi the dp and mm. daryl has to have a chance to talk about two tight members only jackets but before that hammond <laughs> <laughs> all i have to say is yes i sat there kind of fuming kind of steaming wanting to send hateful messages to joel throughout this movie because i felt like i was getting kind of shafted mm, not the first person but, but go ahead <laughs> But the thing that hit me is I'm looking through IMDb, thumbing through people and, and like paying attention to who's in it and who's working on it. And the thing that kept coming out at me was all the people who had done these amazing things before. I saw the And people who had done amazing things afterwards. Big trouble, Little China. And why is this a speed bump in their career? <laughs> because they're actual honest to god creatives who take no and, risks, and i get it i get it but at the same time i'm thinking you know what these people went on some of these people went on to do some amazing things yeah. like yeah. you said big trouble look a little china yeah and yellow and what yellow beard yeah just- yellow beard <laughs> awesome movie i know <laughs> i have not seen i haven't seen predator but i have seen yellow beard <laughs> and that's, that's why good. i love you hammond I saw it the first time I the first time I watched Yellowbeard, I saw it two two times back to back. I know that title, but I'm completely blanking on what the hell that Me movie too. is. Yellow Beard. You, you haven't seen Yellowbeard? I didn't say that. I I'm, I, that I sounds very not. familiar. John Cleese, Lime <laughs> Pew, who can hear even even if the lights are still on, he can hear it. I have to look this up. Yeah, right I'm gonna have now. to look it up. Which I'm, yeah, look yeah, it up for me, Daryl. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not yeah, looking it up. You have to watch Yellowbeard. It sounds very That's familiar, but for some reason, I'm completely brain farting on anything about it. But 1983, it right? About, it came out about the same time as Jabberwocky did, right? Oh, yeah, Cheech and Chong. No, Cheech and Chong was in uh, Yellowbeard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Other one, Chong. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the Corsican yeah. Brothers? Or am I thinking something? Oh, no, 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 not that one. That's a fun one, but Yellowbeard is good. That's a good pirate movie. Okay, I, that's I, not the one where they both can feel the pain of the other. That's the no, one. that's the Corsican Brothers. Right. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so we'll Halloween three. Yeah. We could do Yellowbeard <laughs> later. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I derailed. I completely derailed. God, that one. you know what? You, you understand how focused this show is, Peter? Haven't you by now figured out we have this an agenda? This is the least <laughs> off the rail show the episode we've done. I know. I think it is. Do you think because it was John Carpenter that people signed on to do this? Oh, absolutely. Or he wasn't yeah, that big? No, at, oh, at the time, yes, he was. Yeah, because he had done okay. it. Because so the you thing think... came out that year, and, it, and even though the thing didn't do that well, he had, it was his first big studio movie, so he was already starting to get that kind of stuff. He had done The Fog. No, I think right. on a creative and uh, starting to eke into the mainstream level, and it was certainly in you know the land of, of movie making, he was becoming enough of a uh, presence to yeah. get people involved. Like like Tom Atkins, who I freaking love. Like I think I put Tom Atkins yeah. up there with the Bruce Campbell, Tim Thomerson, and those kind of folks that I just love as actors. Tom rules. And he or you know, just him and Night of the Creeps. And I love that he is brazenly just open about Night of the Creeps is his favorite role and favorite movie he did. I love that that's <laughs> his favorite. That makes me so happy. But 
he always, almost always plays a cop. Like that's his thing. Yeah. Uh, almost or a crooked always. cop. Yeah, always, almost always. And, yeah. and Michael Hunsacker in Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. which is probably the thing that most people recognize him from. He's been in so many things that I haven't uh, loved, Remy. like shows, TV, Remy. Yeah. Did you know, and yeah. interesting side note, speaking of Lethal Weapon, he was mm-hmm. Michael Hunsacker, but he uh, was making Night of the Creeps with Fred Decker, who was good buddies with this guy, and they and he introduced Tom Atkins to him, and this guy turned out to be Shane Black, who wrote Lethal Weapon, Ooh. and told him, yeah, I got this movie at Warner's, and Tom, and Tom Atkins says, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, you and everybody else, kid, in this town, like, you know, <laughs> and then, right. but as the kid kept going, he said, yeah, I would love for you, talking to Tom Atkins, I would love for you to play the lead cop. So he wanted him to play Martin Riggs. Now, he apparently also then followed it up with, but the studio probably would never let that happen, and they'll get mm-hmm. some big star, which they did right. with Mel Gibson. So, but that's yeah. how he got the Michael Hunsaker part. And the cool thing about Atkins is he was so cool about, you know, here's this guy who wanted him for the starring lead in this huge movie. And they said, hey, he met Richard Donner and said, hey, you know, I'd like for you to just play this Michael Hunsaker part. Yeah, sure, why not? Like, that's his attitude. I love that he's got that yeah. very, almost blue, he's almost like a blue-collar actor. Like, he's just, hey, it's a job, man. It's fun. And I love doing it. Yeah, and, he is. Yeah. He is that. So, that last of the, last of that group, the yeah. nine-to-fivers. Yeah, they, they just, you know, hey, yeah, let's let's do this thing. So, uh, not to completely go off track here, the, the, the Tom Atkins being involved, I think he had met Carpenter when he saw a, like a early sneak peek at Halloween and was so impressed by it. So they, that's, and then they ended up doing the fog together and Atkins has a small role in escape from New York, which that's the other thing we left out of this equation. Escape from New York had come out by this point. Right. Oh yeah. So and and, that's what I said. Remy and the Elvis yeah. movie Remy in that one. and the, oh, that's right. Yeah. El, the Elvis TV movie that uh, introduced Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. The, the Kurt Russell. And that yeah. was a big TV movie at the time. So, uh, you know, so yeah, he definitely, I think had, that uh, credibility going on. But, and that's the thing that I think Carpenter's always had, though, is that he's the kind of person that actors and creative people who they want to work with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's kind of like Raimi has. You know, he has all these people. He can call up his buddies and say, hey, I want you in the thing. Yeah. And people will work with him because of what he does. Yeah. And right. I think it's a reputation as a director, too, that they're not these blowhard a-holes that are just on an ego trip. I get the vibe Probably. that they are more creatively inclusive, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. I get that vibe. Mm. Yeah. And everybody went silent, so apparently I'm... Uh, well, the mo- I mean, we, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, the movie tried. I mean, it tried to do something ambitious, at least. It probably, though, we have to admit, they kept the brand because they figured they could get people to at least oh, sure. no, buy yeah. the ticket yeah, to yeah. go yeah. watch the, the movie. The producers, yeah. like it was Dino De Laurentiis, was the, wasn't the De Laurentiis that was behind this? Uh, one of the producers. Yeah, yeah. another producer. So, I, I mean, not knocking the, the House of De Laurentiis because, for love of God, it did give us over the top. But <laughs> and Flash Gordon. Wanna, there you go. Yeah, Flash Gordon is good. And King Kong yeah. lives. <laughs> King Kong lives is debatable. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you want to? I still own it on DVD, of course. Uh, but uh, of course so, Dar- I think Daryl hit on something really important here. This movie was ambitious, and I'm wondering is if they had taken one, maybe two elements of this movie and streamline the plot into just one or two of these elements. Maybe a town of automatons automatons being Mm -hmm. controlled by this evil person. Uh, Taken Stonehenge out of it. Yes. Maybe made it the robots with the masks without the bugs, but some other thing happens to the people. Sure. Right. Something where they streamline this to make it not quite so, uh, I'm going to say it again, Bond villainy, where they're... It, you know, just too big of a a, a scheme. Yeah, it probably would have worked better 
And I, I, I wish that it had been more streamlined because as it was, it was just, it was like plot vomit. Oh, we're going to have Stonehenge. We're going to have a wizard. We're going to have Dick Warlock. And we're going to have, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And it was the just. The EMP sketch just popped into my head yes. again. <laughs> we have oh. to have this in it. We have to have mm-hmm. this in it. It was just too much. And, and maybe that's where it fell short. And then you have like, you know, weird 40 year old sleeping with 19 year old girl thing happened in it was just it was just way too much i agree with you and i think the real problem is it's almost as if nobody knew how to edit at the script stage meaning they took nigel neal's script and because i think there was this level of respect that carpenter had for for him as a as a screenwriter that they were trying to shoehorn what he did into Mm -hmm. what they ended up with. I think what had Carpenter and Hill done their thing and then Tommy Lee Wallace did his pass on it, I think what you would have ended up is with what you're saying, Hammond, a movie about a guy who uses technology to maybe try to control mind control the masses so you would have had this so you know this home is a subtext of mass consumerism and the media being used to control us and that almost like they live like a, almost a precursor to they live and you would have had that element there and i think that would have made it probably more interesting and coherent if you had yeah, removed yeah, because stonehenge if, yeah because if you watch this movie you have to really pay attention because right. there's so much information and if you do you still are going to go huh because you can overlook the yeah. Stonehenge part quickly. Yeah. Like, it's well, yeah, not, you it's, don't talk about it a lot. No, it's, no, it's, it's mentioned it's, at the start of the movie, and then it it just doesn't come back until... The end. A giant yeah, prop piece at the end. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And then you can you can kind of forget that he's a witch, too. Like, that's not... Actually, big. until you guys brought it up, I had forgotten that. See? I mean, that's something you can forget. I, when I first yep. watched yeah. it, I forgot all that stuff. When I rewatched it again... That's when I remembered and went, oh, yeah, that's right. He was supposed to be a witch. Oh, yeah. And it ties into Hammond's point about the Bond villainy element because mm-hmm. the point where you really know that he is a witch or warlock or whatever is that no, – no relation to Dick, by the way yeah. – is the moment when he does his big bad Bond villain monologue, which I you guys didn't hear, right. but is, we'll be playing at the beginning of this episode. So when he does his whole speech about what Halloween is and what it should really be, I and mean, it's very much that Bond villain monologue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All, he, all he was missing yeah. was a glove and a cat. And it really <laughs> – An eye patch. Uh, yeah. I mean, he basically did the Mr. Good Job, Mr. Bond, when yeah. he did the yeah. smile. He basically Do you expect like, me to talk? No, yeah. Are you expect me to wear this mask? No, I expect you to die. You yeah, know, just, yeah. he had that kind of way about him, and it, it's so unlike a horror oh, movie, especially yeah. Halloween. I will not die today. I will yeah. die another day. Uh, yeah. I see, see what you, what you did there. there. This uh-huh. mask is for your own, your eyes only. Uh-huh. <laughs> He had a view to a kill, didn't he? <laughs> okay, I'm stopping now. Yeah, you went too far, John. I, I really did. Okay, so speaking of when he's when he's fat finger. <laughs> I saw that movie when I was 15. All right, so you did. So when he has when 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 the Bond villain has him tied to the chair with the uh, sharks with the lasers on their heads uh, aimed at his crotch, when that mm-hmm. whole thing happens, there is another homage to Halloween. Shortly yes. thereafter, when Dr. Chalice does the single greatest mask toss over a camera in the history yeah. of mask toss, which, full context, Tommy Lee Wallace apparently threw the mask, and they did it as a lark before the cameras rolled, and he got it on the first try, to which I believe was a Dean Kundi or somebody looked at him and basically went, great, you screwed us, because there's no way you'll ever do it again. And it took him like 45 takes. Yes, <laughs> well, that's I was thinking that the odds of him making that were actually 
bigger than the odds of hit, of living through an asteroid field. <laughs> I totally thought that. Yeah, you, you, you were like, "There's no way you guys going to get that." The irony of that. it is, apparently, in real life, when Tommy Lee Wallace did the very first time, it worked. But then after that, not again. Oh, damn. But like that, yes. but that image of the POV shot through the mask mm-hmm. was obvious. I mean, I'm assuming it was meant this way. Was meant to be an allusion to the original Halloween when young Michael. Is yeah, right. upstairs for kill like a red, yeah. red somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but that's what I do like. I like that there are those little moments throughout the movie that they reference things that 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 it does have the connection to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I'd say it's probably more of a sci-fi horror movie than it is a it horror is. movie. Horror movie. Yeah. It is. Certainly so were they slasher. using pieces of Stonehenge to make the computer chips, yeah. or was the pieces of Stonehenge? I mean, what did Stonehenge no, have think- to do with the computer chips? I think there were pieces of it uh, inserted into the, the it sent a signal. Yeah. See, I don't think yeah. so. I took it as there was a, a microchip in it and whatever the technology they were using. And just like at the end when the big white laser beam goes through everybody, a la Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of. Thing. Or the keep. Or the keep. Or the keep, yeah. It, it, when that happens, I assume that what it re- basically what would have happened is everybody watching on TV that has the microchip that's tuned into the signal that's coming through their end on the computers and I'm right. totally just completely pulling this out of my butt here because it sounds yeah, ridiculous didn't, as I'm didn't saying. Didn't he it. say something about because they were chipping away on it? Didn't he say something about it? That did he? They, it oh, was maybe he did. I don't remember that. Into because remember... Yeah, and remember the lady that got killed, she wasn't even meant to. No, that's true. It did come right. No, you're right. It had to be because of the if the beam came right out of the chip. Right. It yeah. short-circuited or whatever, and, and a beam came right out of the chip. And there, it, it just needs that signal. Once it number gets five that is frequency alive. or whatever. Yeah, whatever that frequency <laughs> is. Johnny number five. Where's Johnny? Oh, no. Uh, it tried in a special way. Who's Johnny, she said. That'll be the that'll be the song we ended this episode on. Because <laughs> anytime, anytime I can have uh, Debarge, yeah, I'm I'm DeBarge. there. Yep, I'm there. Okay. Yeah. So Halloween three. Uh, Daryl, let's hear about jackets. <laughs> uh, all I have to say is Tom Atkins wears the hell out of those tight jackets. There were his jacket always looked like it was killing him. Yeah. Every scene he had it on. It looked like when he took it off to have sex, it was like he could breathe again. Yeah. I told my wife, she was in the room when she walked through, and I said, I think he might have beaten up Michael Knight and taken his jacket. He did. <laughs> I swear. Yes. I wrote down, damn, that jacket is way too small. <laughs> and he tried to do that run, like that jog he does when he's. <laughs> do, do you think it was because of the, the beginning of the movie? He was wearing it in the rain. He had it over his head, and maybe it shrank a bit. And he was just too drunk every night to <laughs> Didn't even bother to change the jacket. All right. So speaking of being drunk, his children. I really don't know how that connects, but no. did, one of them, one of them, is actually connected to another person who is in a very famous, beloved horror movie and 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 he himself has been in some fantastic movies including what is my personal favorite vampire movie once bitten what sucks is you just beat me too because i was trying to come up with an even lamer one but then you beat me and you beat me. <laughs> I, I, I know the more i thought about it i'm like that really is not a good movie that's like i, I find uh, it hard i know i'm just finding it harder and harder to even pretend that it was <laughs> other than that line other than the line his girlfriend has. 
Okay. Well, uh, yeah, she was she was the best part of that movie. <laughs> Joshua John Miller play is is the one that is his son, the little boy that Tammet thought should die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I That's immediately recognize his face is very interesting. Like he he was very recognizable to me. Do you off the top of your head? You don't cheat. Do you, I already did. Oh damn it! I won't say anything. Okay. Do I you, didn't. Do you know what he's from? And I'm not thinking of Teen Witch, which apparently is one of the ones he's. <laughs> what? What? The, the little kid who's his son? And yes, and and this was this? that. I think that may have been his direct. I mean, his directorial debut. Yes, he was six. It was directorial debut. It totally, <laughs> totally pr- proves everything Hammond's saying about the quality of this movie. No, it was his acting debut, I believe, or darn early on in his career. And he's uh, in a vampire movie. Oh, Greatest American Hero was his. Actual debut, which is kind of awesome, and then this followed by Family Ties. Um, specifically, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly was in Family Ties. No, no, sorry, she wasn't. No, I'm sorry, different. Connie Selica. Oh, sorry. Connie Selica. I was like, wait, oh, yeah. You, 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 literally, you literally, you literally said like, you know, when hypnotists they give you that word that triggers something, mm-hmm. and then you said it, and so okay. Sorry, no, I did, but they're very similar in yeah, look they, and yes, yes, there is a similarity. There. I, I would agree with you. Near Dark, he is the kid vampire. Oh, yes, yes, he's the little, the one that you know you you get all pissed at them because it's like you know you kept yeah, being yeah, yeah. yeah. And kid vampire is my tagger name. <laughs> vampire, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and River's Edge, you guys ever see River's Edge I've, with Keanu Reeves? More than multiple times. Yes, fantastic movie. He's in that. Uh, and is that the wait River's Edge? Does that have Kevin Bacon? Not Ke- yeah, Kevin Bacon. In it no, too? Kevin Bacon is. Oh, you're thinking of a uh, River a uh, River Wild? Oh, okay. Yeah, this is yeah, the Bale one Street. with uh, which we call it the uh, morph uh, Neo. Uh, yeah, Keanu Reeves. It's, it's, sort yeah. Of, it's, it's, it's basically his Bill and Ted shtick, but way way serious. It's also got Daniel Roebuck yeah. in it. It's got Dennis Hopper. It's a fantastic movie. And and my favorite actress from Say Anything. Why am I? I only Sky. Oh, I only Sky. Yeah, that okay. too. I was I was thinking of uh, what's the what's the girl uh, Plimpton isn't she in it is Martha Plim- Plimpton in it I think Martha Plimpton is she? I think so I'm literally just pulling this out of my butt I could be wrong um, Twenty One Jump Street uh, she so he was in a lot of TV and stuff but the point is the two things to me that I always remember from is Near Dark and River's mm-hmm. Edge his dad though is Jason Miller guys as in Father Karras from Exorcist. Okay, you're talking about his real dad. His real dad. dad. Yeah, Yeah, no, no. Dr. Chalice was not in The Exorcist. No. (laughs) No, his real-life dad is Jason Miller, the playwright. Yeah, Yeah. and interesting, another connection. God, I love connections. I'm so weird. There's a movie that William Peter Blatty, the writer of the book, The Exorcist, did he also write the screenplay? I think he wrote the screenplay too, right? He... Uh, did a movie that he wrote and directed called The Ninth Configuration, which I've never seen, but I've heard is pretty abysmal. Tom Atkins is in that movie, and I really wish they had. They teased it in the audio commentary of some of the stories of making that movie because it was an almost an all-male cast, and apparently it just was a cluster up one side and down the other. And he almost <laughs> implied that he couldn't talk about certain stories you know, for fear of litigation. I was like, oh! Wow. Well, Jason Miller is also in that movie. Oh. So, boom, 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 Jason. connection. What is up with that? Oh, yeah. God, that makes me happy, and I don't even know. IMDB why. worked for you. No, that, I'm, yeah, but no, I just was remembering that from the commentary. I was like, that's awesome. The fact oh, that night- even worse. I know that I actually did that. Yeah, you're right. So, oh. Dean Kundi. Dean Kundi is the DP in this bad boy. Uh-huh. 
I love the look of this movie because first off, uh, right off the bat, I would hope everybody, uh, kids, I hope you brought your uh, your your homework with you. What movie prior to this would have been Dean Cundey's? I would argue his probably best known effort. High Riders. Yes. Mm-hmm. Precise warning. Precise, Black shampoo. Precisely what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go a little the- bit later than that. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> Franklin High. That is the one I was thinking of. Oh, no. back to the future? Well, he, well, he did the original Halloween. He was the DP on the original Halloween. Yes. Oh, it did look a, yep. a yeah, lot ha- like Yes, and now he was not, yeah. I don't believe he was a DP on uh, Halloween 2, but he was the DP on The Fog and yes. Escape from and New York. Roller Boogie. Oh, I'm sorry. He was on Halloween 2. That's right. Halloween 2 came after Escape from New York. He was on Halloween 2, Escape from Roller Boogie. Escape from New York. <laughs> freaking The Thing, man. He was the DP yes. on The Thing right before this one. He did Halloween 3 after that. Mm-hmm. Jaws of Satan. <laughs> Psycho 2. Uh, that one too, yeah. Then DC he did a lot Cab. With, uh, with, uh, with Graydon Clark. He did five or six movies with Graydon Clark. Okay. And then DC Oh, wait, Cab. wait, wait. What? Stop the presses. He did Roadhouse? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Robbing genius. Yeah. I'm done. Drop the mic. I'm out. <laughs> uh, Romancing the Stone. Back to the Future. Big Trouble. I mean, dude. I mean, this guy and Jurassic Park is probably his biggest. Uh, they did all three. All three Back to the Future. What's that? Apollo Apollo 13. Yeah. yeah. Kippendorf's Tribe. Flubber. Okay, now you Garfield. Garfield. Battlestar Galactica, the second coming. Oh shit! He did the Sandler vehicle, Jack and Jill. Garfield. Mm. I'm gonna yeah. cut this part out because it totally turned into a douche nozzle segment. It sure did. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're keeping oh. this. In. No, like oh, wait, there, wait, wait, stop, stop, wait, hang on. They're actually remaking Breaking Free. Is that the Vice movie? Are they really remaking it? No, that's Breaking Away. Breaking Free. Breaking, Different movie. Breaking, Never mind. Breaking Free is about this guy who really has this horrible constipation. <laughs> no, like, still reeling from the loss of his older brother in Afghanistan. A young pilot can't uh, can't open his heart. Wow, to my shit dreams. joke just really fell flat. Thanks oh for the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> the Notebook too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. All right. <laughs> How the hell was he the DP on Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster? Uh, he lost a bet and he needed some money. <laughs> now, yeah. no, I'm serious. Even, seriously, if the guy never did anything else, doing Halloween, The Thing, and Back to the Future, and uh, Jurassic Park is actually a, somewhat of a flat. He did, To me, doesn't have the look that his earlier stuff. When he was doing the stuff in Escape from New York, pretty much all of Carpenter's early stuff, and that's the one thing they did get into with Tommy Lee mm. Wallace, because they talked about how much... Kundi, he you know he loved that deep, uh, not the deep for the um. What am I trying to say? Not deep. Is it yeah deep focus right? Because shallow focus right. is where Iraq focus. Yeah, yeah. You know, that where that you have basically the it's deep focus because it's where you have that extreme depth in the frame. You it goes way back. You could see detail on the walls behind them, and which, which is what made that scene on the street and the sidewalk in Halloween so effective. Yes, because you could see down the street exactly. And right. and and there were moments in this, but I will say. If for nothing else, there is a shot, and I know you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It's on the friggin' poster. It is iconic. I There is a moment. It is so 80s, like quintessential like that. If I had to describe to my children what in my head the, the visual landscape of what the 80s feels and looks like is the moment where the little kids are silhouetted in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's that but sunset it's shot. Now. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That I, is in, true. The, in Panavision, you that can't is help but notice. Friggin' 
brilliant. I love that shot. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I actually wrote, I, I love the whole, it's almost time montage because there's so many, uh, a lot of these moments. Yes. And they end with, they basically end, no, they don't end with this. Or do they? No, that's during the the little montage when, uh, yeah, when they're, they're you're right. It's the almost time that they're. No, no, the- no, 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 no. I don't. I, I, I think it's the the no. I think no because they're walking that way and then the, yeah okay no. Nope, yeah, I think we, gonna, we go we I, go back I'm to the fact yeah we go back to the factory at least one more time I think after that because still right. it's still yeah, somewhat. No, I, did, I didn't mean the end scene at all. I mean in the montage where uh, the silhouetted. Uh, that's almost the, the end. You're right. That is almost the end of it. That may be the end of the montage. It's pretty yeah, damn close, so. but the point is, is that that image to me is awesome. I, I you know, what I'm talking about Hammond. I do. Did I do very much a, a feeling one way or the other? I, I think it's extreme. I think it was a very pretty film. Yeah, uh, well I mean, there. I mean, the way shots are set up and the angles are used and the lighting is used, that's fine. It's everything else you hated. <laughs> <sighs> the way it's shot is not the the, the problem with the movie. So. There are no problems with this movie, Peter. What are you talking about? So here's the thing. They get into this discussion. I want to pose it to you guys. John Carpenter, like pretty much every movie he had that he did with Dean Cundey, which includes all of that early stuff, uh, except for Hammond's favorite, Assault and Precinct 13. They, they didn't start working together until Halloween. But they did, like I said, Halloween 2, which technically wasn't Carpenter, but he was heavily involved in it. The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York... They worked together. Actually, was Escape or was the thing the last thing they did together? Did together? I'm not seeing. Oh, oh, Big Trouble. They did Big Trouble. Mm. Yeah, he was on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, Big Trouble would have been the last one. thing they did together. Yeah. But I, I agree. They were getting into the discussion of something in Carpenter's movies when he stopped working with Kundi as his DP changed, and I think there's truth in that. That that yeah. his later movies, while I mean. They live, I love, and they live, I love. It sounds like a really, <laughs> really bad romance novel. They live, I love. Yeah. And the, you know, there's some other ones that post his work with Dean Cundy uh, that I like the look of. Uh, Prince of Darkness, I, I like the look of. I mean, there's some that have a good look. But yeah. that being said, there's something missing. I guess where I'm going with this is whose vision was that then? Was it Cundy? Because when Cundy left, Carpenter's movies ceased to look that way as much. I I think what he was doing was he was interpreting Carpenter better than other people do. Yeah. I think that yes. may be it. That makes me, yeah. yeah, it's their collective vision that we got, and that's why they're because even Dean Cundey's later stuff doesn't look the same. It's like uh, Empire Strikes Back. The director interpreted Lucas and made Lucas look good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Totally hey, true. Yes. There, that should be on the poster. And as beautiful as Back to the Future. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? That should have been. That should have been on the poster. <laughs> That's a good point. So, as beautiful as Back to the Future is, like I love the look of that movie. I would say it definitely doesn't look like Carpenter shot. Like it was a Carpenter movie. So that Carpenter look, that Panavision, the the judicious use of use of lens flare. flare JJ, I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. No, I think I, you know what it's, I'm saying. Like Dean, yeah, Dean Cundey un- understood uh, Carpenter's vision. Yeah, but to your Back sense. to the Future point, Cundey mm-hmm. understands how to interpret directors. Yeah, because he's worked with Zeb Zemeckis several oh, times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think what it is, it has less to do with the director. It has to do with how Cundey interprets what they want to see. Yeah. So when they say, "I want to see this," he's able to do it, 
and then do it in a way that is signature to that director. So the director still has her voice, but he's making that director look better than they, they could without him. Yeah. Yeah. The two DPs that always come to mind, and I'm sure there's other ones that I should comment on, but the two that always come to mind that I think of as capturing just that quintessential look that I have in my head of what I love about 80s movies, especially early 80s stuff, late 70s, early 80s stuff, is Kundi and uh, Alan, I believe it's pronounced Davia, or I think that's how you pronounce it, the guy who was the DP on E.T. Like There's just a look that they both captured that to me just is i don't know i just i i find it comforting in a weird way i don't know it's hard to explain like there's just something about it that seems so familiar and even in a, a horror movie it, it just i don't know there's something about i just love the, the aesthetic i just love the way it looks so. yeah we, we talked about this before it's comfort food basically right. right yeah that's what it feels like you you uh yeah it's it's wraps you up in a nice uh i, I don't know how how to say this you know what i mean in a nice Wraps dark blanket yes well yeah a, a nice snuggy a nice comfortable snuggy a cinematic there. snuggy yes okay now i i do you guys have anything else because there was just a couple other things i wanted to bring up and ask you about and get your opinions on but is there anything like specifically you wanted to address Jamie Lee I think it, this. oh that's right the voice on the phone i think yeah, I think you're right. I think that was the the main. Yeah, she tells everyone that uh, you can't make this call or something. Yeah, Hammond, what were you gonna say? After he murdered the robot, he wiped his hands on the carpets or on the drapes, which I thought was <laughs> strange. Which reminded me of a joke that I can't tell. So <laughs> Carol knows a joke I want to tell. <laughs> I, uh, are you talking about when the robot goes into the hospital room and breaks the guy like the bridge of his nose? Which that was that looked extremely unpleasant. That was a good effect. Yeah. It was yeah. simple, but the, he literally takes his you know, make your finger, your index, and your thumb in a pincher move, pushes them into the guy's eye sockets, grabs the bridge of his oh, nose from so underneath, painful. and ganks it yeah. up, and you hear that crack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just, oh, just like... a shot of his toes. Uh, his oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, it's tightening like, oh, up. Yeah, it's yeah, awful. And then he wipes his hands on the drapes. But yeah. why, why yes. do you think he did that? It was Why would a robot care? Uh, suspicion? You don't want everybody to see the... Yeah, because I mean, that's because he was. It wasn't suspicious when he went out into the parking lot, doused himself in gasoline, and blew himself up. <laughs> fired to himself. Well, oh, they, there is a thing where they they do have a glitch because remember when the robots messed up? Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that it just could They're be a glitch. Perfect. It could have been the car. It could have been the one that was caught in the uh, Oldsmobile sandwich at the beginning of the movie. Oh, uh, wait, <laughs> oh, no, no. You mean yeah. grown, grown up alfalfa? <laughs> because I, I wrote my notes. Wow, Alfalfa is really trying to choke that guy out because he just had his hair sticking up. Sure did. Yeah, he, he wasn't the 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 sturdy one of the robots because he. I know. It barely I mean, touched him. No, yeah. I could have survived that. <laughs> Seriously, well, the, the the car the guy pulls the the block out from behind the car wheel. Yeah. It really rolls very slowly. It's almost I mean, like yeah, if it hit slowly. him, his response should have been ow. Yeah, <laughs> you would think, right? Yeah. Well, and the the only last thing I have to say is I live in a town where, or live in a in a state where we have very very small towns, and some of these towns have reputations of being strange because of certain um, practices that are still held here in these towns and this related to this particular state. And driving through these towns is kind of disarming because they're 
quiet and small and people drive stare at you as you drive through if you aren't from around there and driving into santa mira was a lot driving a lot like driving into colorado city ah where everybody's huh? staring at you and looking yeah i kind of like what he, i kind of like what uh tom atkins when he comes in this place is a zoo <laughs> after he's met all the people outside his yeah, buddy, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, it's like uh, it's like whatever. it's like a setup of Clue at the beginning of the hotel yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, guys. Daryl has to uh, leave us. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm overscheduled. Things. <laughs> so that's okay. We we in your defense, we're even exceeding our usual because right now we're now pushing past an hour and a half. <laughs> So, Usually I stay on all night. You do, you mean, do, you do, you I do. Yeah, Daryl, I want to show my show sometimes, so we got to get in touch. Gee, listen, just hit me up. That, that's that's not a Daryl's not joking. Not Pretty problem. much, if you just call him at about two o'clock in the morning, be like, yeah, man, hold on a second, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'll get on Skype. I'm Dar- ready, Daryl. Thank you. Did that's you, right. That's wanna, all I need. Do you want to wish the yeah. you want to wish the good folks a happy Halloween? Because this episode is going to go out on Halloween Day. <laughs> well, as you journey through this muckety muck of movies that we have done uh i i want to say happy halloween to everyone and if i uh anything that any movie that i've insulted that you liked it's not my fault it's joel's and i have to drink sometimes it's his fault <laughs> no I, it's all his fault and i blame is. munchies hey, of course i will do. always blame munchies. even though you should blame can't buy me love I know what I love is that I'm I'm doing that to antagonize you. Yet I know right now, probably eighty to ninety percent of our, our listening audience is getting supremely annoyed and pissed at me. <laughs> like I'm I'm so in the minority on that, and I get it. You know you are. I know you I know am. you are. But I know I'm right. Well, at least Daryl. At least you didn't make him watch Trick or Treat, which I still get crap for. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, Daryl, we will let you go and have a wonderful Halloween, my friend. You you guys too. It was great being on. It's like it's not coming back. No, no, I, I'm coming. I will. I will. Uh, I know, message I know. you separately because I believe our next one up will be the wraith. Oh, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Don't I believe. you tease me? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna tease. It's Sherilyn Finn. That's no tease. Don't you do it? No, Charlie well, Sheen. Twin Peaks. She was. <laughs> just, hey, just one of the guys. She was. God, I love that. All right, I can't, right, I can't, I can't. Right, yeah, okay. I'm bringing up brunettes. Daryl will never get off. All right, Daryl. Ah, you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm leaving. Right. I'm <laughs> see you, buddy. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. So, Hammond? Yes, sir. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Why, why did you see me a link that I clicked on on IMDb and I came up with you and your fucking coffee? <laughs> because it's Dean Kundi as a miscellaneous crew. What? He, he is listed as miscellaneous crew in that. What the hell? If you look at Dean Kundi's page, and it's a got series. a miscellaneous crew. It's a series. It's 213, and it's got the dash. Like it's a series. Yeah. If you look down, he is listed as miscellaneous crew. Do you think this is one of those deals where the guy who came up with the show, it never actually came to fruition, but he had talked to Kundi in some capacity, and he said, yeah, you know, if I got some free time on my schedule, I may help you out with that. I have no idea, but I had to send it to you, it, but... That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That is that is that is a good find. That (laughs) wait, and I love wait wait the the rating 
ratings, it has it listed as 8.1 out of 10. Yet, there is no plot, no poster. There is one, it says one season from 2013, and only one person listened to the ca- listed in the cast. Yet, it's an 8.1 <laughs> out of 10. I, I don't even know what I'm seeing here. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah, well. moving right along, here's the real question. Do you feel, Hammond, that in any way, shape, or form, I have at least reshaped your opinion of this movie to not be quite as abysmal as it once had been. You have, but it's only because of information you came into sure. that I wouldn't have. Sure. No, yeah, but that's, so that, I, that's I, how it's, I like it's, to roll. It's, it's like this. I really do feel that the Dawn of Justice film will make Man of Steel a better movie because yeah. of the information. We get sure okay. from Dawn of and Justice. That can, ha- that can happen. There, that does happen retroactively, right? Where you're something, you know, you had the first one, you're like, meh, and then you see something that falls, and you're like, okay, wait, this reinforms. It's sort of like a TV show. Like sometimes uh, you go and watch the first few episodes of a show, and you're like, eh, lukewarm, but then as it carries on, you get so into it. And then if you go back and revisit those earlier ones, because now you have all the familiarity, the context, you understand the mythos, the universe, what have you, you might have a different take. A great example of that for me is. Uh, Dusk Before Dawn. When okay. I saw that in the theater, I ragingly hated that film. Yeah. Couldn't stand it at all. And it wasn't until I got to understand the kind of film and director that Robert Rodriguez is. Yes, that changed the dynamic. That, that I was able to go back and watch it and appreciate what he was doing. And then when I watched the documentary, Full Tilt Boogie, about yes, the making of that film, I had a whole new appreciation of that film. And now it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yes. And I say I personally love it. I love that when I when I had one either a set of assumptions or opinion about that kind of thing, and then I get you know gather the data as it were, and I feel like it's has this positive influence on me that then makes me reassess the whole thing. Like I, I actually love it when that happens. So no, and 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 I I will always be colored by this first viewing of it. Sure, but I do feel like I could go watch it again and not want to like punch myself in the face because it wasn't what I was expecting. Now the coroner, the one who gets drilled, the one that D- Dr. Chalice apparently had drilled before that gets drilled uh, in the end. Probably. It was interesting. They talked about that was actually a lot of her stuff was added in after the fact, because when they went into edit with Tommy Lee Wallace's background, he said they were sitting there editing. And especially the moment when Chalice calls her from the motel, he's sitting yeah. on the phone. Well, originally that just seemed played out on him. And he said, just, it felt so stilted and just, boring and nothing was happening and by having that back and forth she added it they added her later yes that most of her that most of her stuff was added in most of the footage with her i think there was the initial interaction between the two but pretty much everything with her was added in after the fact and as a way to sort of pad out, I think, a little bit of the you – know, basically, it's a pacing issue that you have these moments where he's got to call yeah. somebody. Do you just want to have the camera on him? Well, no. You need to you know, get that back and forth. And then that way they added in the element of an extra kill in the movie. So, uh, Which actually I thought, even though they didn't show anything, it's an effective moment. And apparently the, that was actually shot after production was pretty much done, hence why you don't see it. They had no more budget left. So no. Tommy Wallace said they couldn't show – anyway yeah it's effective because you know i mean yeah. you see that drill go right over her ear and just it's a nasty yeah. way to die all right well i think i have pretty much uh addressed everything except for uh, is it me or when they were sneaking out of the factory did they not use that cart of masks like bugs bunny might have when sneaking past elmer fudd in a bush yes 
They literally get behind a <laughs> cart of mess and in wide open view of everybody, slowly roll it as they hide behind it. And if they played that ticka 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 music, it was awesome. Oh, see, what would be funny is if that had been juxtaposed because we had cart, you know, the cartoon on earlier in the bar, and it'd been really funny if some, you know, in the background, you just had some TV on and there was some kind of cartoon. You heard the yeah, the music, yeah. Oh, a bit fantastic. Oh, speaking of bars, the bar. That he goes to that you complain showed cartoons and football games on the wrong day. That bar is still there and it looks almost exactly the same. In fact, when the shot is in front of him and you see the wall behind him, there are two paintings. They are still there. They're just now opposite sides. And the place okay. is called Cartoons at Noon. Cartoons at Noon. Uh, be, be, you know, you booze at nine, cartoons at noon. And, and so. Yeah, non existent football games yeah non-existent football games so yeah it was it was they went in there and they showed it, it was exactly the same apparently you could still go in there and get yourself a brew and it's kind of neat uh they also went to the motel location it's somewhat of a it looks like some kind of like a cd almost uh rent by the week think, slash yeah, halfway I house I think I've seen that. I think they're on YouTube. Yeah, yeah I think they, I, I they are too. Yeah. Well, it was great because ah. the guy hosting it is one of these dudes who's like all tatted up and looks like a badass. And at one point, yeah. I guess a guy who lives there was giving him crap for being there. And <laughs> and they showed sort of, a, you know, the uncut, you know, the, 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 the blooper reel, for lack of a better way of putting it. They show the the guy yelling at them and the you know like you know i'm gonna kick your ass if you don't get out of here and then the guy hosting this is tommy lee wallace is standing right next to him he's like yeah why don't you come over and do it here buddy i'm just <laughs> like wow <laughs> this got awkward uh yeah real and, quick and there's and there's also a and his name is escaping me oh is it robert it's the guy in uh nightmare on elm street 2 is robert kessler that sounds right Kressler. Yeah. No, not Robert England. Um, it's the guy who <laughs> plays the main character's best buddy. He was also in Weird Science with he was Robert Downey Jr.'s sidekick. Um uh, God they, damn it. You know what I'm talking about though? Yeah, okay. why do you do this all I, the I know, time? I know, I know. know. I, I, I need to tap out. I got dinner. Okay, okay. Well, how about this? We'll just wrap it up. I won't go down that road. All right. <laughs> so 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 then okay, so we've covered it, we've hit on it, we've Picked it up one side and slapped it down the other. We have now covered Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, I think, fairly thoroughly. So, Hammond, thank you for being here. Where can people get more Hammond loving goodness? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at C. You can listen to my show, Beyond the Playlist with C, and you can catch me on GrumpyCast. Absolutely. Those are all fantastic shows and fantastic ways to get you some more Hammond. And, of course, <laughs> Peter... And myself can be found in the land of forgotten flicks. So thank you. Uh, Daryl at the Taylor Network of Podcasts, as per usual. There's about 18,000 over there. So uh, on that note, what's that? 18,001. Yeah, I I think he added one over the weekend. So good for him. At least. Everyone have a happy Halloween. Be safe out there. Happy Halloween. Razor blades and apples and all that stuff. Watch it. Yeah, be safe. Well, we'll Check your candy before you eat. You check the kids' candy before you eat them all. See how many people we can scare just staring at them. Just a little bit. 
Stark masks. Gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third Gather commercial, it's still watch. up, please. Watch Take off the third channel, the third channel. It's still running. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... S- please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 For even more spooky flicks fest fun, please visit ForgottenFlicks.com and subscribe in iTunes. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music through a Creative Commons license. And a very special thanks to all of our guests. If you'd like to learn more about them, please go to the show notes for this episode at ForgottenFlicks.com forward slash Season of the Witch. And be sure to have a safe and happy Halloween. Ha 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 